Thank you for joining me. I'm Paul Wilson, and this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, today, Chris is out on vacation for the week. It is the last week of the year here in 2021. Uh, so we have a few things going on in the shop I wanted to update you guys on, and then we're actually going to kick it over to Nick Pregnitz, uh hosting a couple of Diesel Insight videos. So we'll have two of those in today's show for you. There's been a lot of buzz lately about our DT44 Stealth Turbo for the 2.8 liter Colorado and Canyon. Uh, this little four-cylinder Duramax, it's a fun truck. Nick and I got a chance to go out and drive it with the turbo. Now we have them on pre-sale. If you're interested, if it's something that you want to know more about, get a hold of us over at DuramaxTuner.com or give us a shout at 815-568-7920. Uh, we'll also be checking in for some end of year, uh, just kind of check in, see how they're doing, see what their plans are for next year for all of our other co-hosts like our super tech, Jeremy Garnett our remote support expert, Sean Lynn, and of course, our diesel industry expert, um, or I'm sorry, our diesel industry specialist, Anthony Brunetti. For right now, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, go over to wcfab.com. They got some brand new swag back in stock. They're flannels. They look really nice. They're super comfortable. They look pretty cool. Uh, you're definitely going to want to be repping them. When you go to UCC next year, and speaking of UCC next year, uh, I looked up Exergy Performance 2021 kind of UCC standings, right? Because they don't take their own truck to go and sponsor. They work with a lot of different competitors throughout different levels of the industry. So Exergy Fuel System was found in the first place UCC drag race, dyno competition, sled pull, and overall UCC winner. So Ziegler, um, the whole Burkhart crew, Dirty Hooker Diesel, all those guys, Firepunk, uh, all those guys use Exergy for their fuel systems. That's why they also had Exergy fuel systems that took the win in the ODSS Pro Mod, Pro Street, and 670 classes. Uh, if you're into diesel, like Diesel Performance Podcast, you're also going to want to go over to XDP's YouTube channel and check out to see what they have there. Uh, when you get done looking at that, you can shop there or you can come back over to DuramaxTuner.com and take advantage of our newly uh, released 50-state legal custom diesel tuning. So we're really excited for that. Without any further ado, guys, I'm going to get us into our Diesel Insight videos. Uh, the first one is called, You Are Monitoring Your Gauges Wrong. Uh, so you got the wrong PIDs up. Really, this is where Nick Pregnitz is going to go through and give you a rundown on which PIDs or gauges he finds are the most valuable for monitoring your diesel truck. He discusses different types of driving scenarios such as towing, performance, and daily driving, and what's the best way to set up a layout, maybe even just depending on if, I, if I'm doing something different with the truck, I wanted to be monitoring different gauges. So that's a really, really fun one. Uh, let's kick it over to Nick and see what he has to say about it. Hi, I'm Nick with DuramaxTuner.com. Today on Diesel Insights, we're gonna jump into the Edge CTS or basically any other gauge pack that you have on your uh, windshield. So we get a lot of questions from guys who buy the CTS asking, you know, what PIDs do you pull up? When do you use what gauges? Uh, I see a lot of trucks that come through the shop and have basically just the schizophrenia version of gauges on the display. So I'm going to go ahead today and show you, you know, how I set my own up and why I do it that way. 
YouTube metrics tell me that my target audience is somewhere in the 40-year-old range, so odds are you've been driving trucks since the 1990s or similar, which means that you've seen gauges not evolve at the rate that trucks have evolved. It's interesting to me that still, as a truck driver, I have engine coolant temp, trans coolant temp, speed, and RPM. Um, you know, you can toggle through some of the newer trucks and find some gauges that are mildly useful, but you know, as the complexity of this truck has evolved over the past 20-25 years, it's my opinion that the gauge pack has not evolved. And as a result, I like to install an Edge CTS or similar on pretty much any truck I drive. So why a CTS? I like the CTS because it gives me access to basically any PID or parameter identifier that would be available on a GM scan tool and I can toggle between which PIDs I look at at what time. So I can set up about 8 gauges or 12 gauges depending on which model CTS I have. Today we're going to be on an Edge CTS 2. There is a new version out, the CTS 3. It's nicer, it's better, it's cleaner, it's got a better backlight, whatever. But for you who <laughs> for you who've been hanging around for a while, a CTS 2 will work just fine. So how do I set up my CTS 2? Well, really, it depends on what I'm doing with the truck. But primarily, for daily driving and for towing, I have a, a setup that I'll share with you here. And it starts on the left side of the screen. So on the left side of the screen, I like to see the load. And when I say the load, I mean the fuel rate, the RPM, and the gear. And that gives me a really good idea of how hard the truck is working. Because basically, anything that I'm going to characterize as far as deficiencies or issues or stuff I want to address in the tune or stuff I want to maybe talk to my tuner about or my shop guys, I have to start with a load scenario. So we have to be consistent about the load we describe. And the only way to do that is to know what RPM the problem's happening at, what gear, and what fuel rate. That's going to tell us really how hard the truck is working. Okay, so now we can pinpoint where we have issues or whatever based on the load and RPM scenario. Great. Now, in the center of the screen, I have what I'm curious about, and that is turbocharger performance today. So I have vane position and boost. Usually it's one of the systems of the truck that I'm curious about. It might be the fuel system, it might be the turbocharger, it might be the emissions system. But on this, on this truck, I'm curious about the turbocharger. So I wanna look at the vane position, which is gonna give me a really good proxy for drive pressure, for how hard the turbocharger is working. Of course, boost pressure, right? I wanna see what the boost pressure is in the intake manifold. Um, be able to relay that to any of the turbo techs, anybody who's uh, you know curious about how how well the turbocharger is working. Below that, I have soot grams. Uh, really, that's just there because I like to know uh, how full the DPF is during these tests. So uh, certainly, how how full the DPF is is going to have uh, you know some impact on the turbocharger performance over the course of the uh, of the performance cycle uh, through the regen. On the right hand side, I have gauges that are kind of like the thermal limits for towing okay so I have EGT1 reason I have EGT1 is because our smart EGT back down is tied to EGT1 so I can see okay as I'm towing are we getting close to that threshold for EGT1 to start backing the fuel rate down and I can look at that upper right hand corner and the upper left hand corner which has the fuel rate and I can see how the fuel rate is backing down based on EGT performance middle trans fluid temperature okay anybody towing working the truck hard with a load behind it's going to be curious about two two temperatures right trans fluid temperature and engine coolant temperature you might say well nick don't those gauges exist on the panel yes they do um, however i find that as i'm looking at a gauge pack i like to look at one set of gauges instead of toggle back and forth between my uh, my small gauges on my uh, 
dashboard and the gauges on the CTS. I also think it's easier to read the gauges on the CTS, so that's why I put them there. So let's go into a scenario where I might be curious about the fuel system performance on the truck. You know, maybe I'm having a P0087 code or I'm having a situation where the truck is losing rail pressure. Maybe it's an LBZ with 160,000 miles and I'm towing heavy up a grade. Okay, so I'm gonna reach over here in my center and I'm gonna change, you know, instead of turbocharger performance, I'm gonna jump into fuel system performance. And I can do that. by grabbing fuel rail pressure. I'm gonna also grab fuel rail temperature. So those two things are gonna give me a pretty good picture of how hot the fuel is and how viscous the fuel is versus the fuel rail uh, pressure. You know, in a perfect world, I would have desired fuel rail pressure here as well on the CTS-2 for the LML, I don't have that. And you're gonna run into that. You know, the, the CTS, like basically any monitor is gonna have some PIDs that it has, some PIDs that it doesn't have. Um, you know, you work with what you got. Anything's better than factory, uh, and, and usually you got a pretty good line of PIDs. The newer CTS-3 has an advanced PID selection, and usually there's more PIDs on the newer CTS-3 in my experience. With the uh, fuel pressure setup now, I can see, okay, is the truck dropping fuel rail pressure under heavy load? So as I'm as I'm towing that hill, I can see it go from 29,000, and it might drop down to 28.5 or 27, 25, et cetera, and I might see that only at certain fuel temperatures. Right? And if I can correlate those two, and I can correlate the load from the PIDs on the left-hand side, I can really be specific about talking to anyone who I'm help who's helping me diagnose the truck. You know, is this a CP4 issue? Is this a CP3 issue if this was on an LBZ or an LMM? Um, and we can, we can make a much more educated guess as to what's going on. Especially helpful if you're in the remote diagnostics um, and you're not, you know, you know, you're not a repair shop yourself. You're trying to diagnose the thing yourself. Okay, another scenario I'd like to talk to you about is regen. So anytime the truck goes into regen on the CTS, there's a light that'll turn yellow and then green up here at the top, and that'll indicate that you're either warming up or you're in active regen. When the truck's in active regen, that's a curiosity for me. I like to see how well the emission system's performing, especially on this truck, which has 300,000 miles. So the CTS-2 allows you to toggle between two screens. I believe the CTS-3 has three screens, but there's an arrow over here and I can toggle the screen to the left and you can see on this truck I now have what I would call my regen screen as the EGT1 all the way on the left building to EGT4 on the right so you see across the top of the gauges there EGT1, EGT2, 3 and 4 and that's going to tell me how warm the catalyst is getting as the truck builds heat during regen um, on my main gauge there I have the soot grams so I'll be able to see as the truck crests 42 grams into 43 grams calls for a regen and then counts back down. I'll be able to see how far it goes down as it regens. Bottom left-hand corner, these are just curiosities for me. So maybe I'm towing and I'm wondering, okay, how long has it been since my last regen? I feel like it should be about time here. Well, there's my miles since my last regen. On the right-hand side bottom, I have the urea tank range. So as I'm towing, I know the truck is gonna use more urea anytime it's under heavy load. So on the bottom right-hand side, I can see, okay, I have 1177 miles left till I need to put more uh, urea in the tank. My third group of guys that I want to talk to is the performance crew. And the reason I want to talk to the performance crew is that the CTS can really help make you more consistent. So a lot of guys are driving by the feel, the seat of their pants, etc. 
As you start to make more and more passes in your vehicle, you start to get more competitive and try and get that last edge out of the truck, it's important to make consistent starts. And consistent starts usually start with a consistent load. You know, earlier we talked about being able to use the load data to help diagnose issues on the truck. Similarly, load data can be used to help make your launches more consistent. So as you're coming up to the line sled pulling or drag racing or similar, um, having the transparency of RPM, fuel rate, and boost all in one place is going to help you dial in your launch. So if last time you left at 2300 RPM and 13 pounds of boost and the truck held and you want to 60 foot a little bit harder, you can come up to maybe 2500 RPM and 16 pounds of boost. Right, so you can make those notes in your mind as you're making more and more passes on the truck at the drag strip or going from hook to hook and saying, you know, as you go into the situation, here's the targets that I have. So you're not flying by the seat of your pants. You are more consistent. The truck is more consistent. It's going to be a stronger competition truck, you know, the more you can repeat things. We've seen how consistency can make you a better drag racer. It can make you better at diagnosing your truck and also how you can become more intimate with how the truck is functioning while towing and while loaded, basically make you a better operator and uh, put you in a better position to diagnose any issues that you might have down the road. Clearly there's a lot of information available on the CTS. I don't expect you to learn all of it or to go through all the PIDs. You know, maybe you like my setup, maybe you don't. Try your own setup, switch things around, get comfortable with it. The more, you, the more information you have, the better situation you're gonna be in as a driver. Hope you enjoyed this one. I'm Nick Pregnitz. Click subscribe. We'll get you information on the next ones. All right, guys, uh, that was a nice quick diesel insights from Nick Pregnitz over at DuramaxTuner.com. You can check the full length version of that video uh, by itself at the Duramax Tuner YouTube channel. Make sure you go and visit over there. Give them a like and subscribe. And while you're there, you're probably also going to watch Here's Why CP3 Regulators Fail. This is where Nick Pregnitz goes through um, an actual regulator. I was there for this day of shooting where we started off just kind of asking, like, what's inside of a regulator? How does this work? What makes them fail? What causes surging issues? What causes pulsing issues? What are the physical components within a CP3 regulator that make it tick? Um, so, yeah, I think this is a really interesting one. Guys, if you're listening to the audio version of this, do yourself a favor. You're probably going to want to skip through the audio only and jump over to the Duramax Tuner YouTube channel and watch Here's Why CP3 Regulators Fail. If you own a common rail diesel truck, be it a Cummins, Duramax, Power Stroke, and you're having surging and idle, so where you can hear the engine speed hunt a little bit, or maybe it light cruise, 55 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, light load, where you can feel the engine hunt a little bit and just can't quite maintain a nice smooth operation, a lot of times that problem can be traced back to the fuel pressure regulator. And the problem that the truck is having is it's unable to control its fuel pressure. And as a result, it's getting varying amounts of fuel volume, the torque is changing, and as a result, the engine speed changes. Today, we're gonna to dive into how the fuel pressure regulator works, look at its itty bitty pieces, see what goes wrong, see how we can fix it or not fix it because it's a sealed unit. But it's really interesting to see how it works and I'm gonna show you. So first things first, I got a bunch of dead CP3s laying around here. So we took the regulators off of them and opened them up so we can see what's inside this thing and how it works. Because the first part of knowing how something failed is to know how it's supposed to work correctly. Okay, forgive me if I don't name all these parts right, but you'll get the picture. 
we have this end here that's pressed in to the housing. The housing is basically a solenoid. So if you look in the housing, you'll see an opening. On the end is a two-wire plug. That plug just has two leads on it, okay? Inside that housing is coiled wire, and inside there drops this pintle piece. I'm not sure if that's the exact name of it, but resembles a pintle to me. And basically, when that coil is energized, it forces this pintle out. A good way to test and see if a regulator is remotely good is to put 12 volts to it briefly, not for a long time, and see if it clicks. If it clicks, it's good. It means the pintle system is moving, the slide is moving, the regulator is able to regulate fuel. If I take this new looking regulator, which I think is bad, and I hook wires up to it, and I put power to it, and I don't hear it click, that's a sure sign that the slide is not moving, the pintle's not moving. So for some reason, that pintle is stuck in the bore and the slide mechanism can't work, which means it's not gonna be able to control fuel, which means most likely that regulator is going to be stuck at full rail pressure all the time. You'll know that because the truck will throw P0088 and will run extremely rough and sounds like it wants to come apart. Let's look at how the regulator control system works. Showed you inside the housing, the pintle, then we have this front half which I cut away for convenient viewing. Fits on like so. So the pintle, it acts on this this slide piece. Slide piece sits inside the end of the housing. Now we have fuel pressure that wants to come in this hole right here. So as that fuel pressure comes in, it's going to be its outflow is going to be regulated to these four holes on the outside of the regulator. So in the event that we put fuel pressure to this hole and there's no current, meaning the system's full open, we'd have full fuel flow outflow into the CP3 pump, meaning the pump can make the fullest pressure or move the most fuel volume possible, the most fuel mass. If we put 12 volts to it, that's idle or that's closed. So that's the lowest fuel pressure, the lowest fuel flow we can possibly run. So it's kind of an upside down system in that way that it needs power in order to run less fuel. I cut this slide away because it's interesting to see how the fuel comes in the end here, goes inside the slide, which is held by a spring. And then the position of this slide really dictates how much fuel is allowed to flow through those four holes. Now the really neat thing about this slide is that they changed it from the different years. And tuners or people who are familiar with modifying these trucks will note that the fuel pressure regulator amperage or the current required for different fuel flows changes as you go from an LB7 to an LBZ. If you look at the shape of the slide on this LB7, you can see that it has a very narrow orifice that then goes down to a very large orifice or a rectangle or block shaped. When you go to the LBZ, you have a much different shape. It looks basically like an arrow pointing to the left. That arrow pointing to the left, or those four arrows pointing to the left, dictate the shape of the fuel pressure regulator current. So when you put a LBZ regulator in an LB7, it's important that you change the fuel pressure regulator current table 
to reflect the shapes and this slide. Let's watch the slide move because that's neat. Okay, so if you look at my fingernail, my, in, my index finger, that would be the end of the, uh, the regulator. Up against that end would be the spring, and then the slide would be forced back by the spring. When I apply 12 volts, that slide is gonna be at its lowest orifice, so the least amount of fuel flow. And you can see my fingernails all the way out to the right. As I let off my finger, which doesn't have a spring, but I'm basically using it as a spring, forces the, the whole slide to the left. And as it moves to the left, you get more orifice flow, and that orifice flow allows fuel to go in the end of the regulator and out these four holes around the outside. Okay, Nick, so now I know how the regulator works. It's not rocket science. Why is my truck surging? Okay, so the interesting thing that happens over the life of your truck is that there's a lot of fuel pressure adjustments. The load changes frequently on your truck. Anytime the RPM changes, anytime you hit the throttle, anytime those two things happen at the same time, the position of this pintle moves. And it's gonna move a lot at low load because generally you're operating your truck at low load. So what happens is this pintle gets wear on it. Over time it wears. And if you look closely at the bottom of the pintle, you'll see wear marks on these pieces. The more they wear, the more they don't move nicely. And when things don't move nicely, you don't get good granular control. Why do I say granular? Why not just control? Well, you need the most granular control, the most intricate movement control at very low loads. Because remember, the difference between 10 horsepower and 13 horsepower is a lot different than the difference, is a lot larger than the difference between 130 horsepower and 140 horsepower. If your truck's making 150 horsepower and it's, the fuel pressure pops a little bit and you make 145 or 150, that's not that big of a deal. You're probably not gonna feel that. However, if you're calling for 15 horsepower and your truck jumps to 25 horsepower, that's a problem. You're gonna feel that. That's gonna be a surge. And if it does it continuously, because remember the system's on a PID control, meaning that it is constantly analyzing the actual fuel pressure compared to the desired and adjusting this, that PID control only works when you have smooth movement. So if you overshoot too far one way, you're gonna generally overshoot too far the other way if the system is out of calibration. And it's gonna be out of calibration if you have sticky parts. How else can this happen? You get bad fuel, you park the truck for two years and don't drive it and the fuel degrades in the regulator. Um, all these things we've seen have led to poor regulator performance of one aspect or another. Now, a lot of times the regulator will get stuck in the full on position. And that, in that case, when you first start the truck, you'll immediately notice that the fuel pressure is way too high. You'll feel it lope extremely hard. The truck will feel like it's working way too hard. A lot of rattle, a lot of pinging, a lot of engine noise. That's excessive high rail pressure. And that's just the pump is stuck at full tilt. And I should say full tilt all the way to the left. Um, in that case, the regulator is bad, of course. Now, sometimes you can get around the surge by putting two-stroke uh, oil in the fuel, transmission fluid in the fuel, some sort of lubricity enhancer. And what that's gonna do is free up the regulator uh, pintle in its bore a little bit, allow that slide to move a little more freely. As long as that slide can move freely, we have good fuel control and we can mitigate that surge. Ultimately, what's gonna happen is the regulator is gonna degrade to a point where you're gonna lose control completely and have to replace it. Now there's one last scenario where you might encounter surge. And that's when you first install a low pressure lift pump, like a supplemental pump. 
call it a Fast 165 Titanium, which is what we sell, or anything in the low side of the system that's going to increase the fuel flow on the low side of the system and add fuel pressure. Occasionally we see guys put a pump on the low side of the system that's too large for the high side of the system or too high a pressure. So on an LB7, for instance, there's a 8 to 12 PSI is the desired low end pressure. If you put a pump on that side, on the low side of the system that gives you 25 pounds of pressure, when that pintle goes to move the slide against the spring all the way to the right, it can't hold it there. And what happens is the combination of the spring and the high fuel pressure pushes that slide open and you lose control of rail pressure. And what you'll see is rail pressure will creep from desired, which might be 5,000 PSI, up to 8,000, 10,000, 12,000 PSI. It might keep climbing. You might see it, especially when you're off the throttle coasting, where engine speed's a little bit higher and fuel demand is extremely low. In that situation, you're going to want to check your low side fuel rail pressure, make sure that it's within spec. Again, 8 to 12 PSI on an LB7, LBZ, LOI, 20 PSI on a Cummins, or consult whoever you bought the pump from and get their recommended fuel pressure. Long story short, as long as you have good low side pressure and a good performing regulator, you should be able to get away from that surge at low load uh, and idle. If you're watching this video and you think, hey, I have this problem, I'm gonna call these guys and see if I can get them to help me. I'll stop you right there and tell you, we're probably just gonna sell you a regulator and tell you to put it in the truck, or we're gonna tell you to check your low side pressure. If you have found this video helpful, please click the subscribe button. It's hot. I worked hard to get these all apart. Give me something, man. Help me out. I'm Nick Pregnitz. This is Diesel Insights. We'll see you on the next one. Anthony Brunetti, how the hell are you? Good, Paul. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, usually Chris is in here to kind of work with your segment. Yep. Okay, okay, good. Well, I'm glad I got a chance to do our end-of-year wrap-up uh, with you, our diesel industry news specialist. Uh, I think there's just three basic questions that I was going to ask you, Sean, and Jeremy today. Okay. Uh, number one, how would you summarize your segment on the show? I would say just kind of giving everybody the news. My segment is giving everybody the news. I mean, there's things that are in development. There's shows going on. I mean, whether it be local sled poles or, you know, again, me and Tim went to PRI this year. There's a lot of information out there that not everybody might know. So just being able to share that is kind of the, you know, the summary, I would say. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, I think that's a good way to phrase it. Um, what was your favorite segment that you worked on this year, or favorite show that you worked on this year? Uh, I mean, PRI was, I should say, my favorite one. I've never been to PRI myself, been to a lot of events. Yeah. Um, but I should say being able to see all that stuff first person, interact with dealers. I mean, we interact with them over the phone every day, but even being able to put a face with a name is really cool. Um, and then also just like seeing Sean and Jeremy, I should say, for segments on this show, just seeing those guys talk about what they do day to day to give customers a good idea of what goes on. It's nice to see that behind the scenes uh, type stuff. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. And then what can our audience expect from you in 2022? Hell of a lot more info. <laughs> <laughs> With each new year that comes around, there's more information. I should say we kind of tagged into me coming in here mid this year, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I should say that usually this to be rolling into the next year is when a lot of the new information comes around for new models, new updates, things like that. So just more information and you know, if I can find some secret stuff, I'll definitely be sharing that. I love it, man. Well, I'm excited. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, we'll see you. Remote support expert, Sean Lynn. How the hell are you? Great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Sean, uh, we are here today to just kind of do a quick wrap up, a check-in really for the end of the year. Um, tell us 
How would you summarize your segment on the show? Um, I've tried to provide all the support and knowledge that I have to help people who are doing this for the first time, or maybe it's been a little bit. So just trying to get the word out and help people uh, get their stuff all set up. Good stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. I think that uh, having you on the show gives our uh, audience a chance to kind of have an insight to what remote support troubleshooting is capable of and how it works. And I really like that. Uh, I think it's been a, a good addition to the show. Uh, what was your favorite segment uh, that you worked on so far this year? Um, I would have to say probably the probably the switch ones. I would say a lot of people install the switch and they're looking for you know proof that it's actually working. I like sure. going through the process, making sure the tune is loaded, and there's other ones out there as well, but. The switch ones are usually pretty straightforward, I would say. I like that. All right, good stuff. Uh, what can our audience expect from you in 2022? I would say uh, more of the same. Um, I'll provide any uh, exciting stories that I can. <laughs> if we get anything cool, and uh, I'll try to give you guys some, some, some more support. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thanks for having me, Paul. Super Tech Jeremy Garnett, how the hell are you? I'm wonderful, how are you? I'm doing good, man, thanks for asking. Uh, Jeremy, we are here to do just a couple of quick check-ins here for the end of the year. Okay. Um, how would you summarize your segment on the show? Uh, informational, fun. Uh, hope they, what I say gets out there and people you know, get something out of it. That's, that, that's what I hope, you know. Uh, out of it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Your your segment has been a lot of fun because I think it started, especially when we were doing just the, the audio version most of the year. Right, right. Um, of having to really spend time describing things in like really, really good detail to get it out into an audio right. format. Now adding the video element to the show, hopefully that's going to give us an opportunity to kind of expand on yeah. that. And it, be able to, to do a little bit more showing and a little bit less of the, the detailed description. In the exactly. Time. And then the more comfortable I get, too. Right. So. Right. Yeah, the camera is kind of like a stupid <laughs> ring. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, it gets all of us. Uh, what was your favorite segment so far this year that you worked on? Um, segment or vehicle? Like, uh, as in, like, here or, like... For the show. For the for podcast. The, oh, uh, definitely the Hummer. The, okay. uh, definitely yeah. the Hummer. Um, <laughs> you know, like Nick was telling me the other day that, you know, the best accomplishment this year for me should be is the Hummer leaving and Absolutely. the customer picking it up. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, that has to be, I mean, not a lot of people get to say they got to build an H1 Hummer. And, you know, <laughs> you know, very grateful that I get to do that. So That's awesome. That is such a cool build. Guys, obviously, if you haven't checked it out, go over, uh, watch the YouTube. We have it on the podcast channel and on the Duramax Tuner YouTube yep. channel. Uh, so you can actually see the ride along where Jeremy and Nick take out a 700 wheel horsepower H1 Hummer with a Duramax in it on 40 inch tires. Yeah. Uh, and you can <laughs> almost hear you guys for some of it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> if you go to my Instagram as well, I've also uh, posted some through the throughout the build of pictures and you know my progress through the way. So. Plug the IG handle. <laughs> uh, Jay Garnett at 00 at Instagram. There you go. Uh, all right, man. And what can our audience expect from you in 2022? Uh, Going to try to give more detailed content as in to help myself to help them, you know, as that's really more detailed stuff. You know, try to dig a little bit deeper and do stuff that we haven't done before. 
I like that. You know, we do do a lot of entry-level, basic, kind of, hey, if you're brand new to this, this is what you should know. But I like right. the idea of having a part of the show that's really highlighting the expertise of, hey, we know you know the basics. We know you're into the basics. Right. Here's level two. Here's level three. This is where it goes once you know the simple stuff. Yeah, and I think we can do it a little bit more now that we record and stuff like that. So yeah. I think it'll, I think it's going to be fun. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I'm excited for 2022. Thank you so much for joining us <laughs> no in 2021. Thank you. Uh, audience, thank you so much as well to you. Uh, you guys are the ones that make this show happen. You're the ones who keep us uh, going forward on this. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to work on Diesel Performance Podcast, and we are excited to keep it going throughout uh, next year. For today, this has been Paul Wilson. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. It's like we haven't started talking yet. You have to add this. Yeah.